All right. Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, this is Josh, also known as Yashu, and you're tuning into TLY Talks, episode six. And today uh, we have uh, Will Ryan, who's also a Twitch streamer, musician, and uh, educator. Will, uh, how are you doing today? Not too bad. Not too bad, Josh. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I've been checking out like your stuff on like SoundCloud, and like it's like very dope uh, to hear. You know, just with the unique sounds with the layout with the playlists you know month by month uh episode by episode like photo by photo and i think before you like you do it like every friday like on like twitch and you posted like the song like on every friday so like even like you do the twitch part and then you do the soundcloud part so it's kind of like an interesting uh, sense uh on how you like lay out yeah and it's also yeah, exactly. It's it's been a challenge to try and get music out every Friday. I've been actually like turning down some some record label interest and stuff like that because it's going to slow the process down. They want to work with other people, but by working alone, I can kind of move at my own pace. And like so the song a week concept is mostly it was born out of trying to do it for educational purposes. It's like show people what the process is to start at nothing, scratch, blank screen, no lyrics, no anything. Write all the words, write all the instruments do the mix, the master, all of the tracking live in front of people so they can see what's going on, right? That's the, that's the concept. And it's funny enough, I've been making more money making the music than the music makes, right? So like I have 100,000 streams on, on SoundCloud. That's like, what, 30 cents? <laughs> or, whereas like you get three bucks for a subscription on Twitch. So it's just like the economics make more sense this way. Yeah. It's been an interesting no, I, project. Yeah, no, definitely. I definitely agree. Um, and since uh, you're based out of uh, Toronto, where our podcast is from too, so where did you uh, grow up in uh, Toronto and what was the environment like uh, growing up there? So I moved here when I was 18 to study music and I lived in the West End. I'm currently more towards the Midtown area now, but uh, yeah, so I've been here for like over a decade. So I've been trying to learn music, be in the music industry here in the city. Um, but before that, I was a military brat. I grew up on military base. My dad was a fighter pilot for the Canadian forces. And so I kind of like lived all around the world, lived in Germany, um, and then moved to like north of the city, let's say, <laughs> into the into the burbs when I was in high school. And then, you know, did my high school growing up in the burbs, thought that was the weirdest thing in the world to go from like all these different places to somewhere where all the houses looked the same. Everyone had the same little white dog. There's the same white SUV. It's like, am I in a Tim Burton movie? What is this? <laughs> no, no, so no. yeah, that was, that was a trip. And then uh, moving to the city was, was like big eye opener. It was like, oh, there's culture here. There's like, you know, it's, it's not just a monoculture. There's all these multiculturals happening. I had sushi for the first time. I was like, this is wild. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, it's interesting too. Um, you know, even with the whole like military aspect, um, I don't know if your parents wanted you to join the military at one point in your life or were they, I did cadets. <laughs> it was not for me. I don't, I don't respond well to authority. Oh, true. So like, <laughs> uh, you know, like even like with the commander and like the general, like who would run the program, like in that sense to like the educators, were they like as strict as like, the commanders and generals like on full metal like jacket and all that or was it like a different type of vibe in that sense 
Well, so like I did a, this like boot camp training thing in high school, which was like basic officer training, but it was dumbed down for, you know, high school kids because, you know, we're useless. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's a lot of like physical training. It's a lot of like demoralization. They're, they're trying to strip you of your personality and to build you back up to follow their orders and to see the world their way. You know, it's like hierarchy and bureaucracy and, you know, it's chain of command, man. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. I mean, it's not for everybody too, but like, it's kind of like an interesting like aspect in that sense too, because I saw like Full Metal Jacket, like maybe like years ago. And I don't know if it could be comparable to like what you see today in it's, it's modern. Not, it's, it's fiction, right? It's not that bad, but it is, they're, they're there to try and reprogram you. And they do want to like, you know, make sure that you're, you're a good asset to them, essentially, you know, you're a good worker. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Um, So like, you know, your childhood might have been like very like in- interesting in that sense too, because you went to like all over the world. So you went to like Germany, I guess. A lot of Europe, yeah. A lot of Europe, all over Canada. Yeah, so a little bits in the States. True. So I guess like your childhood was like interesting uh, growing up in that sense or would Move, it be like- Moving every three months, always trying to like, you know, make friends temporarily. It's probably why I liked being a musician and an upfront of like a, a crowd full of friends for the night, you know? <laughs> <laughs> No doubt. Um, so I also saw like a photo of you on, um, I think on SoundCloud, um, like it was something of you like playing like hockey or like it was like a hockey like portrait. Um, yeah, I, I grew up you... pretty athletic. Oh, true. Yeah. I, I like just to play sports and like the pandemic's been really hard for me. I feel like I'm a little out of shape, but it's because I don't have a home gym and I can't do gym. Gym is not the thing for me. I like to have a sport, something like, I don't know, engaging. Um, where it tricks me into working out, <laughs> so, you know, I don't like to run, but put a soccer ball on a field. I'll run all day. So, <laughs> no <doubt. laughs> no that works for me. So, um, I think in that position, did you play like a defender or forward or? Yeah. So when I was playing rep hockey, I played D defense. And then, uh, I, in high school, like didn't grow as fast as the other kids. <laughs> they grew much faster than I did. And, uh, so I ended up getting rocked pretty hard in a, in a tryout. I think it was grade nine. And I just like, I twist spiral fractured my leg and uh, just decided that it wasn't worth it. And then it was actually probably pr- pretty serendipitous because my parents, I think felt bad, bought me an electric guitar and got me some electric guitar lessons. And I was taking classical piano and music wasn't really like my primary focus in grade nine, but there was kind of like a pivotal moment where I get this instrument that sounds like the music that I was listening to at the time. And I was like, so I was really into like guitar and classic rock and all that stuff that like, you know, plays at the beginning of the hockey. <laughs> That's my primary exposure to music. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I get this guitar and I was like, Oh, this is the rest of my life. This is what I'm doing. This song, I can make things sound like I hear on the radio. This is great. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. So I know that you said that you like didn't like really like live like move to Toronto until like eighteen, but I don't know if you've seen like all the channels like you know during the nineties with like in Toronto or like even in Ontario or Canada with like YTV, Teletoon, like Family Much Channel. music, yeah. all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I definitely definitely saw a lot of that. <laughs> so how would you rank uh, your Canadian based uh, cartoon channels like, in that sense? Teletoon at night is number one, obviously. <laughs> and, and then much music. Uh, and they were better earlier. And then they kind of like decreased a little bit as they started putting on more reality TV. And it just became garbage slowly over time. Then YouTube's like a solid like after school. I used to watch a lot of Dragon Ball Z on YouTube. 
or uh, sorry on, on YTV YouTube. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I mean, for me, like how I would rank it, uh, YTV at like number one. Uh, I'd say Family Channel at like number two. Oh, they Family had, like, Channel. Yeah, they <laughs> yeah, had like I forgot some, about that because they had the the Disney like syndication, and then I'd say Teletoon at number three too. Just kind of on and off because like YTV, like they had like a lot of like Nickelodeon based shows that were all over like all over the place like very dope then you have your canadian based uh, content like yukon like uh yvonne of the yukon and also so that yeah, was such a good show yeah sticking around as well too like that was also like very dope uh and i don't i think angela anaconda was i think on teletoon i think just off the strength and then you have like um the one with like the superheroes uh like I just like recently did like a little bit more research on that. Like uh, I think it was on Teletoon too, so that was also pretty dope. Uh, I think um, there's Treehouse too, where they had like uh, Molly, like you know, like mm. a big comfy couch with uh, yeah, big comfy couch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. good stuff, man. Yeah, that's that hits me right in the nostalgias. You yeah. know, it's kind of funny though. Um, so my my early exposure to cartoons was like a time warp. Uh, growing up on military bases, we didn't have, like especially in Germany, for example, where I was there for three years, um, we didn't have YTV and those kinds of things. So there was like this underground VHS trading system amongst like all the, the military moms. And they just like wanted to have all these cassettes and we like VHS and we would record shows and stuff like that and then send them over to all these military bases. I grew up on like things like He-Man, you know, (laughs) um, Masters of the Universe, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like, but I shouldn't have. Those were like 80s cartoons that I was just seeing in like the the mid 90s. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no doubt, man. Nah, I definitely know what you mean. I think uh, for us, uh, because um, there weren't like there weren't like some shows like that were on like Teletoon or like um, YTV, like you know, like Dexter's, like Laboratory, like Johnny oh, so Bravo, good. yeah, yeah, all that Johnny stuff, like, Bravo, yeah, it's been a while. Uh, you literally have to like like for us, we had to like literally go to the states to like watch these shows, like even Hey Arnold too, because they only allowed like certain shows at that time, like SpongeBob with. Um, I don't. I think yeah, Rugrats. Sometimes Rugrats. Too. I was gonna yeah, say. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. Rugrats. Recess. You know, there's yeah. so many good ones, and the, like yeah. I know that it's weird because it's all coming back now. They're getting reboots, all of them. It's like, oh man, my childhood's getting rebooted. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They used to actually like have like some good uh, movies uh, on Family Channel. Like um, one of my favorite ones that I actually founded from Family Family Channel was um, Angus, which had. Uh, Kathy uh, Bates and uh, a whole lot of other cast. It's like uh, this kid named Angus who was uh, dealing with like weight issues and, you know, self-esteem in high school. So he had to build up the courage to ask um, his uh, childhood crush to the prom. And then he had this other enemy like there that always had issues with him because of his crush. And like, yeah, it was like an interesting story too. Um, you know, just even with the directing and everything else, too, um, that was great. They would have, like, Cheetah Girls. They would have uh, Cadet Kelly uh, with Hilary Duff, uh, who was on there, who played like, Lizzie McGuire. But she played Kelly in Cadet Kelly. That was also pretty dope. Uh, 
and a whole lot of other stuff too like it i'd say like with those three like they're like the more interesting ones so yeah for real and then like these kids shows are some of them are genius like some of the more recent ones adventure time for example yeah. so good yeah. <laughs> like who comes up with this sh- oh, I almost yeah. again. who comes up with this stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah no 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 i got i get what you mean so you already talked about your introduction to music but what inspired you to get into music and create it also uh, I come from a pretty musical family. So um, like my uncle was in a big nineties band, a Canadian nineties band. If you guys know the tea party, remember them. He was, he was the, one of the guys in the tea party. Um, so I, I come by it pretty naturally. And it's like been in my life since I was little, I started taking piano at four. It's just, it was natural for me to go into it. You know, <laughs> nobody was surprised. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. No, nah, that's uh, like kind of like interesting in that sense too. You know, like I've had, um, this other um guest not at tloy talks but like on the uh tloy interview platform uh emily brumlow who's um a vancouver based now usa like residing like singer songwriter um she actually had like um her father play like in some bands like in the 80s and 90s like canadian based uh bands and you know hearing their like his experiences from the perspective of herself like it was kind of interesting to know like how like families can go like a long way, like within, you know, being in well, bands. So, yeah. Parents are, parents are your number one teacher. They're your first teacher. Right. So it makes sense that the, if your parents are something that you're going to inherit some of that behavior, it just makes sense. Yeah, no doubt. So I guess growing up or like, even like now, like, did you listen to like any like certain art or, artists or genres that uh, you had? I'd- I listen to everything. I studied jazz music at university. I studied saxophone. Um, so like I literally listen to everything. I started playing classical music, love rap, love rock, love country music, love folk. I love experimental stuff, indie, you name it. I love it. There's something good in all genres. Just got to look for it. Yeah, no doubt. So um, so uh, I just had to get like my state of mind here for a bit. So um so the instrument of your choice at the time, I guess, it was the guitar, like when it came to making music and production it, for it. Yeah, it's the one that kind of inspired me and to like really take it seriously and, and get into songwriting. I think it was the most useful songwriting tool. Um, piano is also very useful. It's like it was more useful because it was the only instrument that talked to the computer. But now the computer can do everything like MIDI was a language for a long time. And so like you could plug a keyboard into a computer and start making some some EDM. And that's been that way for a while. That's why I was getting a lot of calls from piano lessons. But uh, recently I started noticing that the guitar was coming back and that being the thing that's like really nostalgic and really inspiring to me. uh, It made me like really want to get out and make some guitar music again. You know, these guys like Travis Barker uh, from Blink, you know, it's like he's he's doing this huge resurgence right now in hip hop. And it's really cool. I love to see it. More guitar. (laughs) So I got the five back. So you, so you said that you still, you learned more about jazz like in university. I don't know if you like played like in a quartet or like in a certain, like, um, got a weird know. story. I played in a, a porn rock band for a while. That was weird. It was this new concept where they played at strip clubs and they played like these reworded versions of Frank Zappa songs and all this weird music, very well instrumented. And like some of the bigger, bigger, uh, artists in Canada had members in this band called wank punter uh i dropped out (laughs) because they wanted me to quit university and like 
you know, uh, just go on tour with them to all the the adult entertainment places or like not adult entertainment, like conferences. Sorry, that's what I was looking for. The adult conferences and like play at strip clubs along the way. Regret it. No, I, I quit. I was like, no, this is nothing. It's like, you know, it's a fun concept, but it's not going anywhere. It was like a couple months later, they're playing at the Playboy Mansion. I was like, I think I made a mistake. <laughs> yeah, so like you performed at like actual like strip clubs, like in yeah. Toronto. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, dude, nothing harder than doing a sax solo while you've got some naked girl grinding on your suit. And you're just like, oh, I got to dry clean this after. Because <laughs> they, the, they made the horn section dress up like the Blues Brothers. Yeah, so that, funny <laughs> uh, that's like pretty crazy because like i know toronto they kind of have like some like limited strip clubs they have i think zanzibar uh like on young and then they have uh fillmore's like, so it was it was fillmore's but now it's the broadview hotel or something like what did that turn into they they re they gentrified it it's something new now yeah i think so i didn't really check it out i know they there's like also like the brass like rail too but those were like the only ones that I've Yeah, noticed. it's a dying dude, why why pay for it in real real life when you can just get it for free on the internet? <laughs> like, yeah. It's yeah. why they died. It's the same reason yeah. most things die. You know, yeah. it's because the internet just does it cheaper and better, more convenient. Yeah, no no doubt. I'm not gonna lie. I think like even you know of Toronto, I think like even with the whole like adult like entertainment scene, it's only big like within certain aspects, either through you know, like back page or even through like OnlyFans, like in that sense too. Because I, will, I was just going to say, it's like the adult industry is maybe one of the most innovative industries in the world. Like yeah. you think about what I'm doing live streaming, like I'm just a cam girl, but I'm just doing music instead of like shaking it, you know? It's the same thing. People are throwing money at me to play songs. I'll, you know, you flex my perfect pitch to learn a track in like 30 seconds. It's It feels very much like Dance Monkey, you know? It's like people just like throwing bits at you and stuff. Yeah. Um, but like the music industry isn't lucrative enough to take the risk 20 years ago to invest in cameras and like get all the, like the right computer to stream something. Cause that, that stuff was expensive 15 years ago. Yeah. So like these, these cam girls were like, you know, investing some money, but the return was good. It's just now like I can, you know, I already have most of this gear. I was using it to gig. I can just flip around and like use it on a live stream because the gear is cheap. The technology is amazing. Yeah. Nah, I get what you mean. I think, it also depends on like what would be suitable like, for a budget too, because I know for me, like if I have like gear needed for a podcast or for an interview, I would look for like a very decent product, but also it would be like long lasting in that sense too. So with the Samsung uh, Q2U with um, the, like, I think like uh, my camera that I just uh, recently bought, like not the camera, but like the, you know, cam, like, um, you know, the laptop camera that you usually have, like, the external one, Um, it was, like, a Razer, like, Kio. Um, I bought that, like, a while back. Like, it's, like, 1080p, like, very dope for people to view you. You know, it's not, like, the in- internal one, like, where people can see you and it looks kind of, like, credit out, like, in that sense. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, like, and again, like, what did it cost? Probably next to nothing compared to, like, what a camera used to cost. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. But, like, you know, just, like, even back on this, like, whole, like, adult entertainment, like, scene in Toronto, I think the only ones that I said, like, right now were, like, only, like, what, OnlyFans stuff, like, on Backpage, and then I guess some, like, porn in Toronto, like, those were, like, the only ones, but then 
if you can compare like the Toronto like outdoor like adult entertainment scene like with strip clubs and all that type of stuff versus what you see in like the United States like in yeah, I was going to say Miami. Uh, I've played a couple shows there and it's like it's like every other thing is a strip club. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> even like even Atlanta too like Atlanta would Atlanta, be like, yeah. the biggest Vegas, for strip right? clubs. Like I think <laughs> If you really want to immerse yourself like in that whole like strip club scene, like Atlanta is like definitely the one, but you could also do like more like in Arizona, in California, like all other places too. Um Toronto, like most girls who aren't interested in that scene too, they're gonna have to move to other locations to make their money, like in Vancouver. I think Vancouver and like other parts of BC, like they have like a good like strip club scene there other places like out west like where people have like you know expendable money like you know like long-lasting money for a while because it's like the whole like oil trade stuff too like they're gonna spend their money easily regardless and that's like where the actual like money comes from like toronto like in terms if you want to just there's some uh, there's some money here too though dude there's lots (laughs) there's there's some crazy rich folks yeah I mean, yeah, pretty much. So I think, but some, like, I think they either go OT or they do it kind of like privately in that sense to like hosting. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And like the States does it so much better than we do. They're, they're just like, I don't know, I guess more ready to objectify and, and just like party harder, (laughs) everything to the max. No doubt. It's just cool. I respect it. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. So uh, just getting back onto the music side too, uh, what is your actual creative process when making music? Creative process? Oh, I like this question. Um, Right now, it's actually been kind of cool to do the Twitch stuff because it's collaborative. And uh, when I was growing up, I was, you know, military brat moving around and very much alone, like temporarily making friends, but never like in a place long enough to make a band or like, you know, lasting friendships of people I'd want to write with or something like that. Uh, so music was like kind of used, especially in my earlier days, as a way to escape. And I was writing music like probably grade six. I was writing my first songs. Um, and it, so it's, it's always been like a, a kind of expression and like a, a diary. And so it's been interesting to do the Twitch thing because it still looks like a diary. I can look back on the song a week and be like, that was the week of the Olympics. We did a sports anthem theme. And that was the, but now it's not an expression from me. It's an expression of us. You know, it's like, arguably I'm making the songs worse by incorporating a lot of people's input. But I think that's something beautiful in that it's maybe a little worse, but it's inclusive. And like, maybe if we did that with our society, that would be a little bit better too. You know, maybe make it a little bit worse, but you know, at least everybody can participate. <laughs> no doubt. Um, so like with t- the Toronto music scene in all aspects, whether it's rock or EDM or rap, um, how do you feel about like, the music scene in Toronto so far? Uh, it's been good. Uh, there's lots of places to play, although they are dying. Uh, when I moved here in, in, there was just so many venues and it was just a, it was a bigger thing to go see live music. Um, but I also think that that's something to do with um, the instrumentation, right? It's like live music, it's more fun to see a band, I think, than it is to see a DJ if you're in the mindset of seeing a performance. If you're in the mindset of I want to party, then going to see a DJ or an MC or something like that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to lay the vibe down and you're going to have a good time with your buds. You know, but it, like when I was younger, I'd want to go see music just to see it performed. 
And I think that that kind of died for a while. And I have this theory, it's called the, the pendulum theory, where we go between two different extremes in our music focus. We go between production, which was where we've been for like the last 15 years, and like performance, which is like that very 90s, like just scream and like just play the guitar or like the 70s or blues music, right? Uh, but we flip-flop back and forth between these focuses. And we, our technology is beginning so good with the laptops and everything that we've been focusing really, really hard on making everything perfect. And now we're starting to just come back to the other side where performance and like the personality and like some flaws are okay. And I like that. And that's like the epitome of the guitar. You know, the guitar is not a perfect sounding instrument. Those strings are a little bit out of tune. You can never play them or like snap them to, to scale or to, to time. Like you can't a keyboard, just quantize it and it's done. Uh, so the guitar is just a little bit more raw. And I think that that's coming back. And I want to see that after, you know, the, the pandemic and all the closures and, you know, I want to see more live music and I want to go back and experience performances again. Yeah. And I definitely know what you mean. Like for me, like uh, before I did the whole like podcasting interview type stuff, I was doing like more of the concert photography and like uh, videography in that sense too. And I actually just went back for the first time uh, shooting an event uh, at the Drake hotel uh, for um, a buddy of mine who had like another group uh, that was hosting this event, you know, like a virtual like live stream show and it had a uh, dadson who is like a well-known producer like out in windsor yeah um, dadson yeah uh he actually one thing that i noticed like he would remake certain songs like in production wise from you know themes from television shows so like he did it with uh, who wants to be a millionaire uh i've seen it actually live it was actually amazing That's and so then, cool and also uh with the prices right too like that was also pretty dope and then there was like a couple other artists too. And I just get like the vibe, like even if there weren't like many people in the room, you know, in terms of it being, but he's a performer, you know, like that's a performance. Like what he's doing is really cool. He's also really good at playing those push pads, like the, the finger, finger drummy things. He's really talented. (laughs) And then like, I think when uh, COVID hit, like, I'm not going to lie. So like the last show that I actually, like an actual show that I actually shot uh, in Toronto, before the pandemic hit was um ali brooke out of uh, fifth harmony which had like camila like lauren mm-hmm. Jury, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and you cool. know it was it was like still like a small show like you know when i went there it was only like maybe 20 30 people like at the show and it was actually at the mod club you know just before it turned into you know the axis club which i'm not gonna say the yeah, i know <laughs> i miss the mod club it's i still call it the sky dome dude uh, <laughs> But like that the show was a Roger Center. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, sorry, like yeah, no worries, no worries. Like I agree with you. Like I wouldn't call like this like I wouldn't call the Scotiabank Arena like you know anything else. I'd rather just call it the Air Canada Center. Like that's how we know it is. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, the whole like Ali Brook thing, like it was thirty of her actual fans that loved like her music, that loved her sound and you know the vibe and the performance that she that she gave she had like men on stage you know like as her dancers and you just get like a dope creative vibe when you see artists like do their thing in that sense too and exactly yeah. like you know it's something that a lot of people have missed like when they came back i know like um lately now like in toronto like maroon 5 just had their first actual like canadian show like in Toronto, like with Black Bear at Budweiser stage, 
formerly known as like the Molson Amphitheater too. Um, and like a lot of like dope Canadian acts like performed at like other venues too. Um, but yeah, like I do feel like live music might go back to normal if uh, we practice like social distancing, you know, wear masks. And you know, just uh, be COVID the, passport, uh, the the vaccine passport that's coming to t- to Toronto. Like that'll yeah. that'll maybe help some live shows come back. I'm hoping. Yeah. That was like a large part of my income before before the pandemic was playing live gigs and then having that go to zero and like panicking is like, how do I go to people's houses to teach or I got to figure out the online thing? Yeah, I was like, I'm I'm really good with the music technology stuff, but like figuring out this video thing was tough. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, it just takes, you know, getting used to in that sense too. like uh, with me, um, when I started out like doing like video interviews, I was just doing like in-person like video interviews, mainly with Toronto artists. But like when I'm reaching out to someone from a different country or from a different area, like sometimes, you know, you have to like learn how to use Zoom. You have to learn how to use like, Skype, um, learn how to make your thing more like viewable like in that sense to like you know visually like appealing for people to view for people to find out like how, how to edit properly too like sometimes you do re- re- have to like realize that too like it comes with like a lot of work when it was a ton you know, of trial and error yeah. tons of it yeah no doubt um this is kind of like unrelated like in that sense too but uh dj academics like earlier in the year he did like a whole toronto based podcast with the ideal Toronto like rappers that he had like with top five who was recently tried for murder um YG who beat a case uh just a while back too I'd guess Toronto's like first lady Chromas if you know what I mean and then a whole lot of like other people too um I don't know if you like watched that by any chance no I didn't but it was yeah dude there's some some talent there there's it's crazy how much talent's in the city it's crazy yeah I. I feel that too. Like, I think in that sense too, like Toronto, like in that sense too, is like sort of like divided, like in certain like genres and industries too, based on like leverage and, you know, not nepotism, but like more like who's going to get you for the door versus am I going to do it on my own? Because like when you see people like top five YG chromas, um, they're literally doing it like on their own in that sense too. And then you have people like, uh, Mustafa the poet, uh Jess Cartier, um this female uh rapper by the name of like Charmaine and anyone affiliated with like mm-hmm. actors so can well yeah. that like that's like one other scene and then you'll have like multiple other scenes too, like EDM scene, your rock scene, your like classical like jazz yeah, scene. Yeah, the EDM so. scene's really cool here. I like Zed's dad, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're cool, man. There's some there's some really great music out of the city. Um you know, to Canada in general, but like I feel often it gets swept under the rug in comparison to other places like, like states or the UK. Like they get a lot of shine. Things yeah. that are coming out of there are pretty hip. <laughs> All right. You know, I'm going to move over to part two now because I think you already talked about like how you decided to take music more seriously, like with school, with everything else too, with being in a band. Um, but yeah, like, I was doing it for a while, dude. I was uh, I was signed in a band. I was singing, and um, yeah, we we were doing really really well, opening up for some pretty big people. Uh, the Roots, uh, Monine, Ill Scarlet, uh, Bedouin Soundclash. Like we, these are some some bigger names that we were getting some support slots for. And um, 
uh, I started losing my voice at 26. And uh, it unfortunately was took a while to diagnose. I got dropped from my label, uh, but I ended up getting vocal cord cancer, which was crazy for a singer to come down with like that kind of specific cancer. Uh, went through radiation therapy and uh, just starting to sing again. So like that's where the inspiration to kind of do this song a week kind of came back. It was like, ah, my voice is actually at a point now where I, I'm able to use it again in in song. <laughs> you know, it's not fatiguing as quickly and it's like, you know, doing stretches and trying really hard to get it back. But it's it's finally at the point now where I think I can melodyne it and tune it enough that it's it sounds good enough. <laughs> no doubt. I didn't even know that you could actually get like vocal cord cancer. Like I know you can get like throat cancer or like lung yeah, cancer in that sense. Too, literally like, right on the vocal cord. And uh, <laughs> doctors think that it was asbestos exposure. Don't know where from. I have some suspicions, but yeah. yeah. I mean, asbestos, crazy. Yeah. I mean, also to like with secondhand smoke too. Like I know like if you're even like exposed to like people smoking like on the street too, like, and you just can't get away from it, like, you can have, like, higher chances of getting, like, throat cancer or lung cancer, mm-hmm. like, in that sense, too, like, just, like, even, like, inhaling it. Uh, oh, definitely, that... definitely don't smoke, kids. D- don't do that. I, I did it. Uh, I was smoking between, like, the ages of 19 and 25, so it, it was probably not helping my case. <laughs> Let's say that. Yeah. But, yeah, so, definitely quit smoking. Uh, Bad stuff. Yeah, no doubt um so for people who may not be aware of your music how do you describe your music to other people like listening for the first time oh interesting um i i like to to make nostalgic music i i want to make music that i would have liked when i was in high school or something like that you know that's that's where i'm at now with my music and i don't want to make any other kinds of music <laughs> just stuff that's that's fun and kind of gives you that throwback it's like oh yeah this is good this is the stuff that i used to like cuz we really don't get enough of that it's like everyone's trying to push the the cutting edge and i want to i want to be that you know <laughs> that nostalgic thing it's it's what it, it is what it is it's easier to produce a song a week that way as well it's really hard to be cutting edge and experimental and and right on the the cusp of newness and, and trying to push out a song a week that would be really really hard <laughs> yeah no doubt i mean we already discussed this earlier on soundcloud versus like twitch uh but why soundcloud instead of like spotify or youtube or apple music? great question yeah great question um so i chose spotify or sorry to not release on spotify because there's a time delay so i upload the song on soundcloud literally on the stream and if you want to, you can try and race me to it and get the first play on it and grab it um, or comment first and stuff like that. But it's it gets uploaded on stream and then people can go listen to it immediately after. And that's important to some people. The regulars that I have on my stream, um, the, so they say the song gets in their head and it's like, I don't know, maybe Twitch doesn't pump it out as loud or as like high quality audio as you would get on something like a SoundCloud or Audius. I also put my music up on Audius. We'll talk about that in a second. It's a great platform. Uh, but SoundCloud, again, it's one of these things where you can just upload it and it's right there, right away, no waiting. And I can share it and it's social media enhanced. Spotify is kind of not as social media engaged yet. And I do have plans to release on Spotify, but I want it to be something that's a little bit more final instead of these demos that I'm making on Twitch. Yeah, no doubt. And so, uh, Audius, have you have you heard of Audius? Do you know about this? Uh, I mean, I saw it like uh, from your page uh, for the first time when we linked up. Uh, 
I felt it was kind of more similar approach to like SoundCloud, but I guess kind of different like in the layout and the web mechanics. So I've I've made I've made money on on Audius. That's that's a thing that I haven't been able to do on SoundCloud. Even though I've got like a hundred thousand streams on SoundCloud, I've made pennies. Um, whereas Audius, I have like under a thousand streams and I've made almost a hundred bucks. Um, now I was in it at the right time. I'm always kind of like cutting edge like this. I want to be the world's first web three artist where like the audience is influencing and supporting, like funding the art. And it does like this big circles, like they support and help create the music that I make, which then they listen to and then help support. And, you know, the circular ecosystem of, of music making, as opposed to funneling it out Spotify and hoping somebody picks it up on their algorithm. You know, or puts it on their playlist or something. I don't. I don't like that that business model. So I'm I'm trying something a little bit new. But the th- cool thing about Audius is that they pay out in their cryptocurrency. So they have their own token, and they're striving to pay out a penny per play. So whatever the crypto is worth, you get a stream. They'll give you that much of their crypto for that stream. Um, and so the value of the currency started going up like dramatically as I was using it because artists like Weezer. And Dead Mouse and a bunch of other like big name artists were starting to put out exclusive releases on Audius because it's this cool thing where it, you know, it supports all ships instead of just, you know, paying people and unproportionally so like Spotify pays like the top 10 artists in the world way more money than all the rest of them. <laughs> so uh, the way that Audius is doing it is that it pays you. And then as the platform increases in value, your your payments, your royalties also increase in value along with the platform. It's really cool. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check it out. I don't know if they're going to be like podcast friendly if I were to release. You can put anything on there. And it, the great thing is that it's wave quality. Like it's not a compressed MP3. It's like the full audio file that they're streaming to you for free. There's no there's no payment ever. Yeah, no doubt. I'm going to have to check that out then like after like the podcast. But um, if you were to go on like Spotify or Apple Music, uh which uh, distribution, like, would you pay for, like, DistroKid or, or TuneCore or... I'd actually probably stick with SoundCloud. They've been great for releasing the stuff, and they, they've just released uh, some tools for, for promoing and releasing your, your music to things like Spotify, Apple Music, and then getting it onto some of the playlists, the, uh, the curated playlists. So I'm big, big props to SoundCloud. They've been trying to up their game. and uh, I, I respect it. It's still got tons of flaws and it still sounds like garbage <laughs> but <laughs> you know they're trying and that's great that's all they can do no doubt um so what was like the impact like when obvious and like hey like which they're both de- demos they reached between like 20k to 51k like streams on yeah, like, yeah dude that was a, a radio station uh in the states reposted and started playing those soundcloud links on their radio station on a regular playlist but it was just that one playlist it was the january playlist the first one i did uh so you can notice like the start of the playlist has more plays and then the end of the playlist has less i think it was just through that one it's like and that's what it really is right it's like every song every playlist you make is a lottery ticket you never know and (laughs) it's not about the numbers you know it's great it's cool i'm glad that people are hearing the music but at the end of the day it's just like you know I'm just going to keep making it and you can come hang out. Come, come find me on Twitch. Yeah, no doubt. Because like when someone has like a lot of like streams on like Spotify or SoundCloud or YouTube, most people like will usually like look for like a social media or like, 
you know, like a certain like platform page. I'm know? horrible at social media. I'm the worst. <laughs> I hate it. It's just, it drives me nuts. I don't like using my Instagram. I don't have a Facebook, you know, it's just like, I don't want that stuff. Yeah. Twitch is cool because I don't have to think about posting things. I turn it on and I do my thing. You know, that's yeah. about as far as I'm willing to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Like, I think like there's this like one thing that goes like, you don't need to be Instagram famous, but when you're t- Twitch famous, it matters, you know? So uh, hopefully like it, the thing is with Instagram is it's so fake, you know, it's like everyone's posting these perfect performances of themselves. Everyone's posting these edited photos and like making it look like they're in a place when they're not. And it's just like, it's just, I don't like it. <laughs> Whereas like on Twitch, the person is there and you can just check by chatting with them and like, they will respond to you and you're like, Oh, he's actually right there right now talking to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really hard to be fake then. Or you have to be a really good actor. I think yeah. if you were going to be fake on Twitch. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, for me too, like what I noticed, um, you know, using like Instagram, like, because I actually made an Instagram account like for the first time in like back in like 2012. So that's, how I got into like Instagram, you know, like in high school and I would just post like random photos. So I never really knew the algorithm like of Instagram at that time too, you know, just like posting like random photos and then uh, deleted my account. Like I noticed like, you know, when trying to follow like people on Instagram, you know, they wouldn't follow back. So I never really knew the algorithm like at that time too. And then I started finding out like months and like years later, like on how it works, deleted IG again and then got my IG back sometime like in like 20. You got to, you got to look at the algorithm for sure. And that's why I haven't posted anything on TikTok. and TikTok yeah. is probably the one I'm most excited to post to because the first thing people do on TikTok is turn on the sound, right? Which is something that is the opposite on Instagram. The first thing I do on Instagram is turn off the sound of my phone. I don't want to hear that shit. <laughs> so like TikTok is kind of interesting in that it's, it's really appealing to musicians, right? Or like music content. Um, which is great. And I, I'm very, very interested in the algorithm because it learns you really quickly. Like at first it was just showing me hot girls. Cause I think it was like, it knew that I was a dude and it's like, you're going to like hot girls. It's like, no, I don't want to see this stuff. I want to, I want to see people playing crazy things and I, I like music. I want to see all that stuff. And then it did, it started showing me that stuff. And now it only shows me that stuff. It's great. Uh, but the algorithm for posting is your first three go out to everyone. Right. It's not just people who might like your stuff, which is where the algorithm takes it. It's like, okay, we've identified that your, your, um, TikTok is a music based TikTok. So now when you make something, we're going to suggest it to people who like that stuff. But the first three go to literally everyone. So you got to be really careful with your first three posts on TikTok. Yeah. No doubt. I think, um, that's why I have like two accounts on IG, like my regular one, which I, I felt bad for exposing for a bit too because, you know, like, I'd say that, like, I don't really post on my regular account and then the TLOY page where it's strictly, like, business, like, content, like, all the way to. So I kind of, like, noticed, like, two different, like, sides. Like, for me, like, on my regular one, like, I'm not trying to post anything unless it's something, like, in- interesting. But then with the regular page, the professional image. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for real. No doubt. So, like, I, you already discussed, like, how you, like, got into Twitch, you know, by performing and creating music online. But with the controversies that come with it, like, I think um, there were people that, you know, banned, like, certain, like, users. Like, Amaranth, on, yeah. all these all these ASMR girls who are just 
it's so close to porn that it's it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I get why it's a controversy, but like, I mean, just don't watch it. If you don't want to see it, like, just don't watch it. Yeah. Like, why is it offending you? Just don't watch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really simple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, but like, really easy. Yeah. But like, what I noticed too is that they ban like certain words on like Twitch. Like, if mm. you call someone like an incel or you come, if you call someone like a virgin or some other like, bs you know you automatically like get banned or something like that so how do you feel about ba- people being banned or doxxed on twitch or commenters if they use like certain words like online um yeah like there's got to be something for freedom of speech but then there's also got to be something against hate speech you know like just straight up insulting people isn't doing anything it might be entertaining but then like make sure that that's very obvious that that's what it is it's a roast you know yeah. <laughs> come in here i'm gonna roast you that's fine like it's, just make sure that people are expecting it because people get offended very easily these days yeah. you gotta be really careful i i make a very strong point of when i'm referring to my channel saying we uh and when i'm referring to somebody saying they and just like just to cover my bases you know i don't want to i don't want to stir up any controversy on twitch yeah no doubt um so like how do you stay consistent in releasing music like what are your like plans on like how you do it i'm just leaning on my years and years and years of instrumental skill and and songwriting practice uh song week has been hard it's it's really hard because not every one of them is good and that's something that is like is really ego bruising for a lot of artists who only release like quote-unquote good music um but I'm about this new saying is lower your standards and raise your average. So it's like, if I allow some of my songs to be worse, I'm going to get better at making songs because I'm making more songs. Um, and it's just practice, right? So it's like a song a week is really good practice at making a song. And I would, I would say like, if you listen through my playlist in chronological order, go from like the very first one all the way to the, like the very last one, the, the sound quality is getting better. The songwriting is getting uh, a little bit more focused as, as opposed to a little bit more uh, ambiguous. Um, but yeah, it's, it's also that the size of the, the Twitch chat is growing. So at first it was, it was largely just me trying to speed run a song. And now I've got this hive mind who's constantly throwing rhymes at me or like throwing suggestions for themes for like next week's song. Or it, it takes a lot of the quote unquote creativity um, sorry, the like the writer's block thing out of it. You know, it's like I don't ever feel like I have writer's block anymore, which is great. Yeah, no, I definitely know what you mean too. So, like getting into the, these debates that I had in mind. So, where do you stand on the laptop versus PC desktop debate, and where do you stand on the Mac versus uh, PC debate? Well, I've got two Macs, so but I really like PCs. I'm not like uh, I don't <laughs> I don't want to knock them. Because they're really, I would probably actually prefer a PC for the streaming PC, um, something where I can install some good graphics cards and capture cards and stuff, and just get it running my stream. Uh, but for music production, I use Mac, and I have forever, and it's like I, everyone I know does as well. And I, there's got to be something to be said for that because like, why, why don't you see a PC laptop on stage? You just never do, right? It's always a Mac laptop on stage. And it's because they're a Unix system. It's really, really reliable. It's not going to crash on you. And I use Ableton Live. And I use the previous version of Ableton Live when I'm playing live. And I use the current version of Ableton Live when I'm in the studio. Uh, because the previous one is more stable than the current one. 
but it's just you're maximizing stability. It's an instrument. It's got to not fail. Yeah. You know, so Mac on stage. Uh, and right now I've got two Macs, uh, one running my production and one running my stream. Uh, the one that's running my stream is like a little Mac mini. It's kind of underpowered and it's whatever. It's a desktop, but I would prefer to have a PC for that for sure. Yeah, no, I definitely know what you mean. Um, I think for me, uh, I've been like so used to like using like PC all my life. So like even like when I decided to buy like a PC, like, you know, like laptop for the first time, um, so because like my other laptop like i got from university which is like um uh lenovo which is kind of like outdated like a lenovo like 2014 laptop you know very outdated if you're trying to like use it as like a regular like laptop so went to staples for the first time too and then you know i actually asked um one of the clerks like hey uh what would be like your best like laptop for like video production and for everything like that you're either going to go with a well-established uh, Mac or you're going to go with a gaming laptop. And then mm-hmm. because they have like higher RAMs and all that type of stuff. GPUs to them yeah. clocked and tuned to it. Yeah. No, for yeah. real. And like, I grew up with PC too. Um, I grew up making music on the family PC and uh, I would crash it all the time. I'd get the blue screen of death and I was just like, this is nuts. Like, why can't it just work? And I got really frustrated in the mid 2000s with the state of PC hardware (laughs) slash software incompatibility. And so I moved over to a Mac as soon as I went to university and I was like, oh, this is so much better. (laughs) It doesn't crash on me when I'm recording things. And so then I'd just been using Mac for music production, but totally would go back to Windows and a PC build for, for streaming. I think that it's more value for the bucks, you know? Yeah. Like right now, I have like an MSI GL like sixty five by ninety five SC. So that's a gaming laptop, but I also use it for video production too. Even if the RAM is sorta like in the mid section, like eight gigs, you know, it's worth it. Like in some cases too, you could play almost any game, like dated back to like you know the mid like twenty tens, like mid late 2010s like i don't know if you could play like 2020 or 2021 base gaming it won't run cyberpunk (laughs) but not not even ps4 runs cyberpunk so i think you're good yeah no doubt um as far as uh, other stuff um what is your best software to use for streaming and like creating music as well as for better cameras or like or lighting equipment oh cool i like this question um so i've got uh, two pretty bright lights. I've got three GoPros running in here. I've got one up over my piano. I got one down for like the guitar cam for when I'm teaching or like doing a solo on stream. People want to see what I'm doing. And then I've got the front facing like face cam that ends up going up in the corner. And then I usually run Ableton when I'm uh, on Twitch. I'll probably run Pro Tools if I ever end up bringing the stream into a studio. Uh, I do have Logic because a lot of the artists that I work with and do production for they send me logic files. So I, and I've had logic forever. I actually grew up with logic as my first DAW. Well, garage band into logic, you know, in university Cubase on my family PC, but that was just brief. <laughs> Nobody let's not talk about Cubase. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Ableton pro tools, I think would be my go-tos for recording software. I use um, these machine learning uh, plugins from isotope called neutron ozone and nectar for doing a lot of my processing a lot of my eqs and compressions and stuff like that for mixing uh it's really cool it uses uh 
machine learning algorithms and it's listened to a ton of like, say, for example, bass guitar. And it's heard bass guitar before editing and then it's heard bass guitar after editing. And it then listens to your bass guitar before editing and it does the reverse. It goes like, well, this is what it should sound like after editing. And it just like infers that stuff. It sets you up with a pretty basic EQ compression saturation, like 80% good enough. And then from there, you can tweak to your own taste, but it saves you and like an hour per instrument of just like sitting there and tweaking all this stuff. And it does it pretty fast. And this is why I'm able to do a song a week is the technology is just getting so good. Saves so much time. There's so many like hacks and, and corners you can cut. I've learned one thing doing the song a week is that the only thing that matters in the mix is the vocals and the drums. Everything else is it's just there. It yeah. can be good. It can, it can be not. It just, it just has to be there. It's the noise, right? It's giving it some vibe and stuff, but like really need to hear the, the words and you got to feel the beat. That's really what it is. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, as we're getting to part three, which talks about like other topics, um, I have like a lot of like interesting thoughts that I have like now and then also that I didn't add before. So McDonald's Canada, um, I think uh, on August 31st, I think people were wondering what would be like, Coming to McDonald's Canada, people fought the McRib, the McPizza. Unfortunately, it's spicy McNuggets, but they're still good. Right? <laughs> they're they're pretty good. Yeah. I'll, I'll take the spicy McNuggets. I was hoping for the McRib. The McPizza would have been a throwback. I, have, I haven't seen a McPizza since I was like 12 years old. You know, <laughs> that's been a while since there's been yeah. McPizza. But that used to be a really, I used to like those little personal pizzas. They were good. Yeah. So they can bring those back. That would be awesome. But uh, McRib, you know, special place in my heart. <laughs> the the spicy nuggets. I love spicy food, and then, like I I do not do well with spicy food. Like I get like servers coming over to me when I'm eating like suicide wings at a restaurant. I mean, like, are you okay? Do you need a hospital? Like, no, I, I'm fine. I just love this so much. And I'm like sweating and crying and stuff. But it's it's like inside I'm happy. happy. <laughs> no doubt. Um, I also, like the Big Extra, too. I mean, I was like kind of like around at that time, like when it came out, like, I don't know if it the McPizza, because that was like more of a 1990 something. I was like born in like 96. So I wouldn't really realize when the pizza came by, but I knew when the Big Extra came by. But in my opinion, the big extra, the big extra is just a McDonald's version of the Whopper, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. No, but I, I never. Don't, I don't know if I've ever. I don't know if I've ever had one. Yeah. But I've seen it. I was like, it looks like a Whopper. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too. Like I never really realized the taste or anything like that. I know some people might like it. Um, What's you your go-to some... McDonald's order? Like, uh, like a quarter pounder. As a kid, like uh, when I was like a kid uh, back then, uh, when our family would go to McDonald's, I would usually go with the McChicken with uh, fries and a Coke. Uh, but it then like switched up, you know, for health reasons to sometimes a quarter pound, quarter pounder with cheese with fries and a Sprite or an ST or a Big Mac with fries and an ST. Um, you know, I never really ate like many like Happy Meals, like maybe like one here, one there, but um we didn't really had that like in our childhood because I think um, we stopped doing that like when we were like five or six, you know, because you know, like what's inside there, it's just uh, a plastic it's toy. Awful. 
Uh-huh. Uh, well, and like, yeah, you get the plastic toy in the in the Happy Meal, but then you also get like the plastic food in the Happy Meal too. It's it's not good for us. It's, we yeah. willingly consume these things, and we yeah. think they're delicious, and then yeah, slowly kill us all. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, even uh, when these uh, McDonald's rollouts uh, came for like the Travis Scott meal, the J Balvin oh, yeah, meal, right. the yeah, yeah, yeah. meal. Like, they never really had it in Toronto besides the BTS one. Um, I think, like, for the main reason, too, that you could easily, like, order these foods at other McDonald's places. So, like, let's say the Sweetie Meal, which is, like, what, a Big Mac, um, chicken nuggets, fries, um, a sweet and sour, and a barbecue with a Sprite. You can order the same thing, too, like, just not using the code, but you can assemble it just, like, um, as your own, too. Even like with the Jay Belvin and like Travis Scott meals, you know, like you could just order um, a double quarter pounder with uh, bacon, like lettuce, bacon and lettuce, and then you know get barbecue sauce with the fries, and then also the sprite too. So it's pretty it's marketing of, genius, though. Like yeah. you know, to like get the these stars as orders and then like turn them into combos. It it's just good promo for both sides. It's yeah. great. It's, yeah. Some marketing guy got a raise for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean also too i think um because even with the popeyes uh, chicken sandwich like my favorite it, yeah it was it's still pretty good too <laughs> like it came like around like 2019 for america but we didn't really get ours until like Pandemic. last year yeah 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 i remember it was like well at least there's popeyes and there's one really close to me so like that was it was dangerous i've put on a little bit of weight i, I like to like stay fit and, and healthy I, I like to play hockey still I like to rock climb and, and like do things that are engaging, but like not having access to any of those activities and not having a home gym. And I probably wouldn't use a home gym, even if I had access to one. It's been hard because, you know, things like Popeye's chicken sandwiches are just so delicious. <laughs> I definitely know what you mean, too. Like, um, I think throughout the, uh, throughout the pandemic, I explored uh, other places, you know, learning how to cook, you know, or like also like mm-hmm. learning which good, uh, food places are actually very good. Like I bought like more local stuff like nowadays, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I like for the pandemic, like how, like aside from music, how has it like affected you in like any form? And what did you do to get back on track? You know, aside from the music stuff. Oh, it's been it's been tough, man. Like being a musician through this has been hard. Like watching the thing that you value the most, kind of like the industry just spiral into nothingness, and it's like be put on pause. It's been hard, and like you know it played the odd like live stream gig and like other things like that. It's been hit here and there, but it's, it's not like what it used to be for sure. Yeah. So that's been tough. Uh, it's been hard on the mental health aspect of stuff. Just like, you know, it's, I'm such a social person. I, I love to be, I like when my work feels like a party. That's why I became a musician. You know, I want to be up on stage and now that's my office. And, and like in front of me, there's a party happening. That's what I want. And so just being like stuck inside, everything's locked down, friends don't want to hang. It's been, it's been tough. Yeah, for for sure. No, I definitely agree too. I feel like um, it had hit me uh, too, because as I said, like the last concert I shot was um, Ali Brooke. And then I kind of got into like a little bit of a depression uh, for a bit too, like throughout um, like March until like June for a bit. And then, started getting back up like in the summertime too like with a lot of stuff going on but um i'd say like it only went up like later on uh for a bit and then like now it's like back to normal but summer helped people, yeah 
for other people too like it ruined a lot of things like i know like gym rats who are like so big on the gym too you know they couldn't go like at that time i mean like they had to make like home gyms which i guess it's okay but then sometimes if you're working out in a condo like you can have like neighbors like downstairs or upstairs and it'll either annoy you or it'll like annoy them and then you know like exactly. run yeah exactly yeah no and it's like i'd question your sanity if you didn't struggle with some form of depression or anxiety or something like that during the pandemic like it's been hard for everyone and that's what everyone's got to realize that this is this has been bad for literally everyone <laughs> but i did feel like the pandemic made some people infamous and some people like famous like with um bezos <laughs> uh, uh teresa tam um like i've seen her get more coverage uh nowadays too every day like on cb24 and like also like city like city news um or ctv um a lot of these like health advisors uh yep. and these like doctors like they're getting the shine now celebrities they're, yeah yeah they're the new rock stars dr yeah. fauci man <laughs> and it made some people infamous like chris guy uh the weasel looking dude uh spreading like misinformation and all other like bs uh people don't listen to him there's just so much of it out there how how are we going to tackle that problem there's just yeah we can't we can't trust the facts anymore and that's a problem i don't know how to fix it i don't i don't i'm not that smart i make music (laughs) but if somebody if somebody much smarter than me can get on that that would be great because this is a huge problem yeah, no, nah, it's pretty tough because there's literal people like out there spreading like misinformation on many yeah, places yeah. to like causing like disturbances like at John Tory's like home, Rob Ford's home. Like you have like these anti-vaxxer, anti like lockdown protesters yelling like freedom, freedom, like in the streets. <laughs> Even though you have the freedom to walk, you have the freedom to do whatever you want as opposed to actual people that dealt with like slavery and you know being in the prison system like you know sorry to rumble exactly in. like yeah, no, exactly <laughs> really getting like the freedoms like that at that time too like even like, <laughs> like even if you're like in the system like as a felon or as someone like incarcerated too your freedom like your freedom is actually like gone like so that's the definition of people losing their freedom not some random 35 to like 55 something year old like white guy or like white other person like balding like with gray hair like not gonna not going to some random resort in cuba or thailand to where are they getting their information this is what i want to know is like who's feeding is it facebook i think let's blame let's let's find out the root of this problem and let's just like rip it out because you're right it's like they believe that they're right and like the other side believes that they're right. And nobody's like just looking at the actual facts, yeah. you know, like what? And, and this is like my own opinion, right? It's like, but we should trust the scientific community. These are literally the best brains we have. Sure. Some of them are going to be bought. Some of them are going to have, you know, talking points and stuff that they're being paid to say because everything's a business. But these are the people that we've trusted and have worked their whole life to be experts at this stuff. And we're just like, nah, <laughs> it's so stupid. Yeah, no doubt. And then like the people like co-signing the anti-vaxxers, you have like what, 
Maxime Bernier, who's supposed to run this election, which I doubt he's going to win to. And like, I guess Aaron O'Toole, um, those oh, two. Man. He scares me. They all scare me. There's no good candidates. Maybe this is the problem with politics. Nobody cares enough because these all these candidates are horrible. My favorite, NDP, you know. But, like, unfortunately, the area I live in, it's never going to happen. So I have to vote strategically? That's not how democracy should work, yeah. right? Like, my vote's not going to matter unless I vote this way. That's yeah. stupid. <laughs> like, in my opinion, too, I feel like um, this election was just, like, not, like, right now, but, like, just, like, with this election uh, going on, I feel like it's being, like, forced, you know, instead of being a gradual, like, process. Because I think Trudeau, he yeah, wanted to He, he messed up. Yeah. He messed up. Like he thinks that he he can snag a majority again by doing this now, but everyone's really mad at him for doing it now because it's like we're going into a fourth wave, like school's back, and like now you want to call an election? What are you thinking? <laughs> yeah. And then you're gonna have like so many people like hating on you with the radical like right, and then also it's gonna backfire. People. Yeah, I feel like backfire. yeah. I do feel like sin, like Jagmeet might have a chance to, but then sometimes I hope there could be like some inconsistencies on like how he approaches certain things too. I know Anne Marie Paul, uh, definitely not a chance, even though I would be excited to see her. She's great. Yeah. I would love to see her as our prime minister, but there's no chance, right? She's, she runs the green party. Like (laughs) the liberals and the conservatives have a chokehold. It's crazy. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, you know, that'll change. As some of the older people uh, start not existing anymore, <laughs> they're very much like entrenched in their ways. They were raised one way or the other. They were raised conservative or they were raised liberal, right? But now there's like a bunch more free thinkers that are kind of coming up, um, and they're just like, no, I'm going to vote for the person who who best you know represents me and has the best policy. I think that that would be you know ideal instead of having the, just these like families of one type of thing. Yeah. Nah, I get what you mean. So, just to speak more on this whole like pandemic process, vaccine uh, passports, yay or nay? Uh, I mean, like, I'm pro science and vaccine, but I also understand it. It's, it's, it's like we're an experiment. It's like straight up, they did not test it enough. I had some pretty mild reactions. They were all treatable to the vaccine, but I got it. I felt like it was my duty, you know. <laughs> it's, yeah. If they I, if they think that this is going to work, then let's do literally whatever we can. And people are worried about like what's in the vaccine. Like, are you kidding me? You eat McDonald's. Like, I've put worse things up my nose. This is this is like real. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this yeah. is science. It's like we can trust it a little bit. We can trust it more than we can trust like a drug dealer. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I know what you mean. I feel like for me, in my opinion, too, um, I am kind of mixed about it too because. If it does happen, like, will it lead to, like, other, like, establishments requiring a vaccine passport? I'm nervous. Like, I'm nervous about it, for like, sure. But I want to play live gigs. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Because imagine, like, if a McDonald's or, like, a Costco or a Walmart will ask for vaccine passports. And, you know, some people might not have phones. Or some people might not have access to a printer or to anywhere else. And if they don't get it, like in that sense too, you know, you can't really go into the restaurant and you can't participate uh, in society. Yeah. Like that's ridiculous. You're, yeah. you're totally right. That's insane. Yeah. And now, you know, 
Yeah. Optional <laughs> things like a concert, I would say like, you know, make that the thing, but like a restaurant or like food, like grocery stores, like you, you can't limit the access to those things. Those are like essential. Yeah. But like something like a concert, you could totally say like, you're not getting in without a COVID passport. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're worried about not having a phone and stuff, you, you have bigger problems than not seeing a concert. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, yeah. Nah, like I would like look into it like a little more further. I do feel like if they do lead it on to having it at these places, then I feel like it won't really benefit like anyone, like unless you're getting like the double jab in that sense. And sometimes, you know, like nowadays too, you know, like, it's the same thing for Presto where, because like when Presto was like first introduced, you know, people didn't really like it because people kind of preferred like the tokens, the tickets that they could buy with their like good, good earned uh, cash or their hard work. People cash. don't like change. People do not like change. Uh, like, no matter what it is, right. It is resisted at every, it's, it's yeah. crazy. It's like, but, but this will be better. Presto is better. <laughs> nah. Yeah, I think like with Presto, it's kind of like uh, the Canadian version of the MTA card. Like if you've been to New York, they've had like mm-hmm. MTA cards since the beginning of time. Uh, and you could like refill your money, pay with whatever amount you have, like with cash or with credit or with uh, debit, depending on, on the way. And it's just basically the same thing, too. But I feel like a lot of people, like especially in Toronto, are kind of used to paying with the token or paying with the ticket because it's sort of like a way to not think too much on how to like reload or how to get used to technology, especially with seniors and with uh, people like in lower income communities, you know, like not a lot of people can get access to a presto like that unless they have the money for it. But like, that depends. Am I going to spend, you know, my hard earning money on groceries and the rent, or am I going to spend it, on some like plastic card in that sense right yeah so like you could do it better like anything right uh have you ever been to japan uh my last trip before the pandemic was to japan I was there to do some snowboarding and some some music stuff and um there they have this transit card that works in their taxis it works in their grocery stores it works in their vending machines it works uh some stores will even take this as a form of payment And it's so smart because you have these like very highly independent children running around Tokyo with this basically like a preloaded credit card that works in all these places. They can stop and get lunch with it. They can grab a snack from the vending machine. They can get on the subway and then get in a cab and go to their piano lesson and then get in, you know, it all works with this one card. And it's like, this is really smart. (laughs) They really don't like credit cards there in Japan, which is also probably because they had a huge debt crisis back in the 90s. and probably learn their lesson which i don't think the rest of society has learned yet we're all especially here in canada we're all crazy debt burden it's it's insane yeah definitely gonna have to find out more about that um just like these uh last two questions so i know that you've encountered like a lot of things in life such as like playing in a porn band but what were some (laughs) other like crazy or interesting things that you've encountered like outside of like music or twitch um rock climbing has like been a great way to explore the world and uh when i was 30 i did 30 different places around the world i did all these travels and got in a van and i used to like this was back when i wasn't really a singer anymore this was after cancer um and so this a couple years ago and we went around to all these different crags crags are like the places where you climb uh and traveled to these 30 different places around the world and i got a tattoo about it so that was kind of fun i liked that a lot 
I like setting myself challenges, kind of like doing a song a week and then like committing to it. <laughs> you know, at the end of this, it's going to become a job. Like I'm now on song 37 on the stream and it's starting to become a grind. I'm getting better at it, but it's starting to be, it's like, okay, we got to do another one. It's, we're on the home stretch here. <laughs> Want to get one a week for a full year. But yeah, so like I like setting challenges and then, and then sticking through them. Yeah, no doubt. So you climbed like a variety of mountains. Um, I don't know if you yeah, did. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. Ev- I don't know if you did like Fiji or Everest or um... no. So that's that. That would be alpinism. This is rock climbing. So rock climbing is like much much shorter. Just like outdoor with a rope, and you go up maybe like thirty forty feet, and you come down. Oh, sure. <laughs> I, I know some people like they'll go like rock climbing to the extreme. Like people would go to yes. Fiji or yeah. yeah. Some people some people are mountaineers, and those people are hard people. Those people try hard and like suffer. It's they're cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah this uh one crazy story uh that i had like that kind of falls similar to the whole like rock climbing like mountain type thing so um i was actually doing um like work at a hotel uh and one of our jobs was to like watch the people for them to climb down like off of like a 40 50 story building and this was uh the western harper castle so like literally just by queen's key so you have like all these people. So it's like based out of this program that they have to, you know, not be afraid of their fears to not be afraid of anything. So one of the, I think one of the fears was like heights. Um, and you have like literal like grown folk, like coming in to like 50, 60 stories up, you know, climbing down like on these like windows, you know, to face their fears and all that. And like um, the other guy told me like, you know, you have to be comforting. You have to like actually like care for them, even though it is like kind of weird. Uh, because you know it's a way for them to give them encouragement in that sense too. Like you know, saying a certain word or saying a certain thing, you know, people will get like offended by that. Uh, I said like I really didn't speak at all. Like I just like d- just shaked my head for a bit too. Just, so just do it. <laughs> yeah, I know. So facing your fears is important. It's uh, it's hard sometimes, but it's always worth it. Yeah, sure, no doubt. Yeah. Um, I, um, I mean, I've, yeah. Uh, what were you about to say? Uh, oh, it's, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, actually, like when they actually finished, you see a lot of them like actually like falling like in tears. You know, actually like crying. You know, in joy because they've never experienced you know something like that too, and like they go back again, do the same thing too. And you see a weird transition, like in that sense. So you see people feeling more confident or feeling more good about themselves too. And this is like literally like back in like 2018. Um, and it was interesting too, because you never really realize people having these fears until you actually meet them too. Like I know some people, they're afraid of like death or some people are I'm afraid, afraid of doctors. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah i mean like facing your fears is like very important in that sense too just you know rationalizing the ideal and realizing that you know we only live like in a day you know tomorrow's like not really promised so trying these certain things and learning about these ideals you know you understand like a better part of life or a better understanding of life and then you know when it's over it's over you know so if it's good it's good if it's bad it's bad so that's the game of life, you know? That's it. That's it right yeah. there. So uh, just to end it off, uh, any closing remarks you would like to say? 
I'll just appreciate having you on. And it's really fun having a chat. It was a, uh, it was good to meet you. And I'm, I'm really excited to see where your podcast goes, man. This is what episode six. Uh, you're going to do yeah. all of this. So yeah, the crazy thing is, is that um, episode one was actually on YouTube uh, with uh, this rapper out of Atlanta named uh, Zad Vibes. Uh, episode uh, two, I think. Yeah, episode two was based off of YouTube discussing uh, this uh, list that I have of like the top male and female rappers out of Toronto within spring of like 2020, uh, 2021. Uh, did that um, episode three. Uh, and four actually yeah episode three was with ed the sock uh which you could find in i, lis- I listened to that one it was good it was threw me back to the nostalgia his from as show is like my favorite i used to watch <laughs> that every day after school <laughs> yeah, and then episode four uh was with uh, robert uh, douglas who executive producer and musician you can check it out like on all platforms episode five would be uh ethan of the boogie, of the uh, boogie boards based out of like uh, north carolina um pretty dope guy i had a lot of good discussions about like uh, nirvana and such and i would guess this would be episode Love nirvana uh, <laughs> one of my favorite probably most influential bands them and the beatles yeah no doubt so uh well ryan uh thank you uh, for coming by and it was a pleasure to speak with you um We'll definitely, ta- we'll definitely we'll uh, definitely talk uh, more soon. And uh, everyone uh, watching, uh, thank you uh, for tuning in to TLY Talks Episode 6 with Will Ryan. It will be released on all platforms soon. And what I mean by all platforms, YouTube, SoundCloud, uh, so- uh, Sounder, and uh, Buzzsprout if um, it actually works out. And you'll definitely have to like, comment, subscribe, or just tune in in that sense too. And maybe even audible too like i'd have to look into more more of that but yeah but uh this is josh also known as uh, yashu signing off